Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. We're so thankful that you're joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy. On October 25th through the 27th, Nashville Vineyard is hosting the Risk Everything Conference with special guest speaker Robbie Dawkins. For more information on this event and other events at Nashville Vineyard, please visit nashvillevineyard.org. up uh, a conversation that we've had uh, over the last month um, about before the throne, and it's been, it's been, a, uh, really, it's been one of my favorite things that we've ever talked about, and it's, essentially, we've been talking about ministering to the Lord, and talking about the different facets of what it means to, to be able to come before the throne, to come before the presence of God, and just spend time with Jesus because He's Jesus. It's just worth it. We've been talking about how much of our, our Christian life, our church life, is so wrapped up in, uh, I need to, to be with God in order to get something. I, I'm spending time with God so my needs, my needs get met. I'm, I'm praying because I have to have something. And how much of our prayer life is just running through a list of things that we need, and the reality is, is that God is after a relationship. He's just, he doesn't care about anything but a relationship with us. That's good news. But it's, it's a little bit foreign to us because so much of what we do in our faith is centered around the idea of, of doing something to get something. And the scriptures call that religion. That's, that's what Jesus was talking to those guys, the Pharisees, about, was you're doing these things as a transaction to get something in order than just because, right? That was the whole crux of his problem with, with the Pharisees is that they were using God and religion to get power, to get money, to get blessings or whatever it was. And, and it's easy to paint them as the bad guys, but I mean, how much of my own prayer life is centered around all of the things I need? And that doesn't mean that Praying to God when we need something is, is bad. I mean, you should do that. But if that's the only time you enter into a relationship, if that's the only time I ever talk to my wife is when I need something, then something is probably off. And so that's the premise of what we've been talking on. And honestly, this, this whole year, since about this time last year, as a church, the Lord has been just moving us on this journey of discovering what it really means, what our lives should really look like if we, if we honestly believe the scriptures and try to follow Jesus. If you've hung around here uh, for the past 12 months or so, we, we began a series around this time. The Lord, we had a whole plan, and the Lord said, I want you to take your plan, I want you to roll it up really tight, <laughs> and he said, throw it away. And so we threw the plan away and he began to teach us uh, about what it actually means to live like a believer. And we started a series called Christian 101. We were just going through the scriptures and saying, okay, what do they say? And, and, and do we believe it? And then we were looking at people in the early church and we were measuring what they were doing with their lives against what we were doing with our lives. 
and there was a little bit of a difference. And so we started talking about that. And then the Lord moved us into the book of James. And so we spent time in James learning how to suffer well, how to suffer like our Savior, learning how to put our, our faith into action and beginning to, to step out and, and to see sort of a marrying between all of the things that we say we believe and how our lives should look. And then we moved from there. We, we were hearing all of these stories and personal friends of mine and, and stories about all of these people in the Middle East that were having literal encounters with the risen Savior and, and were, were converting from radical uh, Islam into Christianity because they were, no kidding, meeting Jesus. And Jesus would say, some of my followers are coming here tomorrow and they're going to fill you in on the rest of the story. And sure enough, that was happening. And so we, we started actually beginning to get jealous and saying, Lord, would you do that here? Like if you're doing that there, would you encounter us here? We want to encounter Jesus. We don't want to just talk about him. We don't want to just think. We want to meet with him. Which led us into uh, a next discussion about harp and bowl and, and our prayer and our praise and how do we, how do we pray and how do we, how do we sing our songs and we use the Lord's Prayer to guide us into that and now we're here into this series on ministering unto the Lord. And so, if you've hung on with us, you may find yourself exhausted. You may find yourself sort of saying, hey, can, can you just tell me like the three steps to have a better marriage and all of that sort of thing. And I, I get that. Because what, what I know is, and I hear it every week, is that people will come up to me and go, wowzers, that was, that was good, but I needed to hear it. And, and that's sort of in other words of like, when's, what are you getting off of this? And I don't think we're going to be able to get off of this as a church in fact, I think we're going to be we're going to be turning it to eleven, and and next week we're going to we're going to be sort of turning the dial up a bit, and I think it's just going to be increasing, and and we've been sitting here, we've been listening, and and if if you're here, you're here because the Lord has called you here. If you're if you're a part of our church, you're here because there's something inside of you that's drawing you here. If you were just looking for a wonderful church time experience before brunch, you wouldn't be here. We don't do it as good as other people do. And so if you're here, if you're hanging out with us, I mean, there's something stirring in you, but what I know is that life happens. Like, I, I know that with me personally, like, I know all of the things and all of the stories, and I can hype myself up, and I can, I can listen to a Francis Chan sermon and feel like I need to do more with my life, but... Life just happens. And the sun rises and the sun sets and, and we have soccer practice and we have, we have things that we have to get to and you know, we end up spending hours in, on traffic and, and it's just life happens. And if there's, if there's a common thing that I hear from myself, from my family, from, from other people is, you know, I know. I know all the stuff. But if I'm honest, like if I'm just really honest, sometimes I'm just tired. Sometimes I'm, I'm kind of comfortable. I mean, I, I kind of like going to brunch. I, I enjoy enjoying things. I like soccer practice. It's fun. And so there can be at times, after you've heard so many of these things for a year now, 
there can be a moment sorry a moment where the lord arrests you and you realize The Lord's arresting me right now. Where you realize that I don't feel like doing this. See, what we've learned is, is that we've learned over this past 12 months that radical Christian is a redundant phrase. It's, a, it's the same thing. A Christian is just Radical. It's just a different way of life. It's a completely other than focus of life. And it's, it's hard to be radical in Nashville. It's hard to be radical in the West. I mean, it, it's so difficult to be on fire all the time. Or maybe that's just me. I was driving to Bowling Green uh, for a meeting this week, and I knew, like, this was like, I had like three hours alone in the car, and I knew, man, I should, I should spend this time, you know, praying, and, uh, and really pressing in, and all of that, but I just listened to Merle Haggard the whole way, and that was it, and I, I knew I should have done something else, but, you know, I'm driving through Kentucky, and it was a sunny day, and, you know, that's a really great playlist on Spotify, but I knew I should be doing more. I just didn't want to. And as I was driving to Bowling Green, there's this billboard uh, trying to get us to visit uh, this place called Franklin, Kentucky. And I guess they're trading on the fact that people will mistake it for Franklin, Tennessee. And so they're trying to, to draw people into this place called Franklin, Kentucky, which I don't know why anyone's going to Franklin, Kentucky. It might be great. I don't know. But so there's billboard on the side of the road trying to get us to come to Franklin, Kentucky for some reason. And they've spent thousands of dollars on marketing and advertising and research. And what they came up with, like the thing that they thought could draw people from the interstate, divert their attention from where they're going and stop off at this place were three words, eat, shop, sleep. That was it. Who knows how many thousands of dollars went into that research? And as I was reading it, my, my inner monologue read it like, like, like a cast of The Walking Dead, like eat, shop, sleep. It just came, came in and I was like, is that you, Lord? Because that didn't sound like you. But it was. And what I realized is like how much of my life is designed around eat, shop, sleep. I mean, if we really think through and we pull back the veil of what we do and why we do things and, and, our, and our spending habits and how we live our life and how we spend our time, how much of our effort and energy is revolving around eat, shop, sleep. You may throw a few other verbs in there from time to time, but eat, shop, sleep is probably something that you continue every day. One day there will be a new verb that pops in, but it'll go back to eat, shop, sleep. We're addicted. And our whole lives revolve around this. We're consumers. That's what we do. We consume. We consume sermons. We consume worship music. 
We consume food and Netflix and shopping and Amazon Prime. And we consume and we consume and we consume. And honestly, that works. That will work for a while. It's fun to eat, shop, sleep. Try it. It's not a bad thing. It works for a little while. But what we realize is that it doesn't work for a long time. And it won't work forever. And eventually, each shop sleep will, will bore us because we were meant for more. And we realize that. We have these glimpses of that. Maybe at a Robbie Dawkins thing, or maybe you've read something, or maybe you watch something, and you go, your, your, your soul kind of wakes up and says, yes, there's more. There's more than eating and shopping and sleeping and working to fuel the eating and shopping and sleeping and living my life around eating and shopping. There has to be more. I have to be created for more. And your soul will just sort of pop up and wake up and, and your spirit will cry out and deep will begin to call into deep. And then all of a sudden you're like, yes. And for 24 hours you're in it. But then the next day you begin to eat, shop, sleep. Eat, shop, sleep. Eat, shop, sleep. And it's hard it's hard. I was watching a, a movie uh, last month called uh, Sheep Amongst Wolves 2. And it's about, uh, it's a documentary about this explosive growth you know, of the church in Iran. And it's just, the church is just blowing up uh, in Iran. It's the fastest growing church in the world. And Iran is a very hostile place to be a Christian. Uh, and hostile makes it sound kind of nice. Uh, these people are being beaten and raped and killed uh, for their faith regularly. And the movie starts out, we're going to have a viewing here at some point uh, soon of it, but the movie starts out with um, a quote from a lady that says, you know, I know when I leave the house, my husband and I talk about it, and, and I know that I could be uh, raped and killed for my faith, and so the deal is, is just, that's my faith, like, don't try and do anything, just this is what I do. And she says, because our bodies are living sacrifices, right? And I've read that verse a lot, and I've never taken it literally. But isn't that how we're supposed to take it? But, but one of the things I found so fascinating is, is at the end of the movie, we have this uh, scenario where this family has escaped persecution, like, like literal violent persecution, moved from Iran, moved to America, and, and the movie sort of ends with uh, this, this woman who's explaining uh, to her husband, she's trying to convince him to move back to Iran. And she's like, man, I, I just, like, she's in America. She, she may be in Nashville. I don't know. Their family is here. Their family is safe. And she's begging him, please, would you move us back to Iran? And she says something that's just the truest thing I have ever heard in my life. Because the husband is saying, what are you talking, what are you, nuts? And here's what she says. She says that there is a satanic lullaby that brings a sleepiness to the church in America. And I can feel it causing me to sleep as well. And the question is, are you sleepy too? I'm sleepy. There's something that happens when the church reaches prominence and affluence and there's this lullaby that begins to play over us and 
it's hard to do anything. I mean, you've been tired, right? You don't care about anything when you're tired. I have small kids. I don't care about them when I'm tired. They come into my room and they tell me all this stuff. They wake me up in the middle of the night. I'm like, I, if you don't get in your bed, I promise I will throw everything you have away. I don't care. Because when you're tired, you're tired. It's hard to do anything. It's hard to care about anything. It's hard to believe anything. All you want to do is sleep. And are we sleepy? I'll confess I'm sleepy. It's hard to be radical when you're sleepy. And if it's hard to be radical when you're sleepy, and radical Christian is a redundant phrase, then it has to mean it's hard to be a Christian when you're sleepy. And what would it mean to be so afraid of the sleepiness that we would be willing to put ourselves in harm's way? Know that we're putting ourselves in harm's way. Not a chance, but understanding I'm moving back to certain death because I'm scared of this sleepiness. But that's us. We know it. We understand it. But we create a separation between what we know and what we know. Or is that just me? It's hard to be a Christian when you're sleepy. I heard this quote uh, this week, and it was just so telling. I don't think this person is a Christian. I heard it. Um, I shared a sermon on Facebook from, from Anaheim Vineyard, and, and he mentioned it in his talk. And it's, a, it's from an author, Annie Dillard. And she's commenting on the church, and she says this. On the whole, I do not find Christians outside of the catacombs sufficiently sensible of conditions. Does anyone have the foggiest idea of what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or, as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. It's madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should, ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, for the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. That's the reality. We serve the God on the mountain, the God of smoke and of fire, who spoke the world into existence. But it's hard to be a Christian when you're sleepy. Because we have unbelief. We, we have unbelief. And the whole premise that we, when we began this church is what if we just took the Bible seriously? Like forget about all the bells and whistles. Like what if we just took the Bible seriously? And so we don't spend a lot of time on extracurricular theories or, or functions or whatever. It's just like, let's just believe the book first. And then we can move on from there, maybe. But let's believe it. Let's do it. But we don't. I don't. And we eat, and we shop, and we sleep. So, what do we do? Because the truth is, is that if you've been sitting here a year... You should probably get a merit badge because it hasn't been on fun. And, and the truth is, is that I can't convince you. I can't convince myself. You know that? I can't talk you into it. I can't talk myself into it. I can't muster it up. 
I can't do anything. And we have to ask ourselves, what's the cure? Some people take short-term mission trips to try and cure it. Some people listen to extreme podcasts and testimonies of, of the persecuted church to try and cure it, but honestly, there's no cure that we can come up with. There just isn't. Thankfully, we have the word. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into the word. If you're worried about there's no Bible yet, and he's 15 minutes in, we're going to get to the Bible. And so we're, we're going to, to turn to Mark chapter 9. If you have your, your Bibles, um, you can do that. Uh, if not, they're in front of you in the pew. If you don't have a Bible, you can take those home. We also have it on the screen. We're going to skip the first scripture that we had. Yeah, and then we're going to go there. So Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, Jesus, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him. They greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it sees at him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he, he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead. So that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And so he said to him, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and active. Jesus, we declare this is your church. You're in charge. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Would you have your way? We are your people. You are our God. Lead us as you see fit. Would you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is you have for us today? And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So, the story is about us. I mean, I've taught this story in a deliverance context. And there are, there are a lot of things that you can pull out of it. But what I want us to, to center in on is, is the idea of we're the father. Not capital T, capital F, but we're the father in, in this story. And if, if you're anything like me, when, when you find yourself in a situation, you will run to every source but the source. 
And the scripture begins with, with the father running to the disciples. He was running to the people around him. Somebody do something. He's heard the stories of Jesus. He's, he's heard the testimonies of what happens when people encounter Jesus. He understands what a disciple means. He, he gets the fact that disciples are supposed to be like the teacher. And so he comes to the disciples and he wants them to do something. And they can't do it. Now this happens all too frequently for us as well, where people are looking for Jesus and they only get me. And that's not good. And we know that. But what I want to get in on here is the idea of that when we find ourselves where we can't, we can't muster up the faith, we can't, we can't make ourselves believe, we can't do anything, what we typically do is we typically try and go and find it from somewhere else. And so people will look to sermons and speakers and songs and books and people to help muster faith. Or is it only me? I've driven across the country hoping to get a word from someone, some sort of great speaker or something like that, because I, I needed something, but all of the while, I had the Holy Spirit inside of me. I have a direct access code to Jesus. And so, we find ourselves where we'll go to one another, we'll go to anywhere and anything, searching for faith. But like the father in the story, we, we can only turn to Jesus. And so if you're like me, and if you find yourself sleepy, if you find yourself hard, hard to kind of kick yourself into gear and, and do all of the things that you know you should do, the very first step is to just get with Jesus. Just, just get with him. Talk to him. The father is very honest with him. He tells him the problem. Have you ever noticed it's really difficult to be honest with God. Really, 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 really difficult. To pray the prayer that you're actually feeling. To begin to say, I am upset with you, God. I, I feel like you've abandoned me. I'm, I'm mad. I feel alone. Where are you? Those kind of prayers are difficult for us to pray which is why the scriptures give us psalms, lamentations. They're wanting to teach us that it's okay to boldly approach the throne and be honest. And so I would tell you, if you're here and, and faith is hard to come by and, and, and you're sleepy and you don't know what to do, the first thing you can do is to find Jesus and be honest. Just be honest with him. Begin to tell him, I'm struggling with this. Don't go read all of the books. Don't listen to all the sermons. Don't, don't do those things if you're having a hard time. Just get along with Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing he did is that he honestly told him exactly what the problem was. Lord, I believe Help my unbelief. 
Can you pull up verse 24? Because this is where we want to hammer in on. This is, this is sort of the main thing. If you're sleepy today, if, you're, if you find yourself living a life that seems a little bit below, you know, Philip and Acts, then, then this is for you. This is our prayer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe and unbelief are actually two different Greek words. In the, in, the, in the scriptures here, those are two different words that mean two different things. I believe means mentally I can understand this. Mentally I have the knowledge, I have the understanding. Unbelief is a faith word. It talks about a heart issue. It talks about it going to the root of the matter. Lord, mentally, I can understand this. Mentally, I agree with all of the truth that I read in Scripture. I, I, don't, I don't believe that it's false. I, I mentally agree. I just don't believe it in my heart. It just, it just hasn't gone from my head into my heart. And so, would you help me with my unbelief? Guys, this is it. This is the prayer. This is, this is the prayer that we should pray 20 times a day. I know all of the things that I need to do, but I don't care. Have you ever thought that? I know I should do this. I just, I'm sleepy. Yesterday, I'm in Lowe's. That's what you do on a Saturday if you're middle-aged. You go to Lowe's. So I went to Lowe's for exciting things like light bulbs and an, like an aerator thing that apparently you're supposed to do. Poke holes in your yard all day. This is my life now. But I'm excited about it. I mean, I wasn't even hating it. I was like, woohoo. So something happens, you eat slop sleep enough to where you end up at Lowe's and you're excited about it on a Saturday. So I'm at Lowe's and I'm excited about it on a Saturday and I'm getting light bulbs and I'm getting uh, moms. I picked out moms. I was pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, all of those sort of things. And I'm talking with this guy and there's something wrong with his eye. There's just, there's something wrong with his eye. And I'm thinking, I should pray for him. I should pray for him. I should pray for him. But he's telling me, apparently, uh, on Black Friday, they're going to have this discount on these stoves, and we're, we're, we need a new stove. And so I'm thinking about, well, Black Friday, boy, that's going to be hard. And that's where my head is at. I know that I should pray for him, but I don't believe that I should pray for him. Now, I wish that I could tell you, but I got over it, and I prayed for him, and his eyes opened up, and it was an incredible day. That didn't happen. That's why we bring Robbie in. He's going to have stories like that. I just wanted to get the aerator and get home, because the rain was coming. I believed, but I had unbelief. Because I, I have prayed for people, and I haven't seen anything happen. And if I'm just being honest with you, I didn't want to have that happen again. You know what I mean? I just wanted to go to Lowe's and be a normal human being and come home. But I knew I carry the presence of the living God. Like that fact was in my brain. I knew that. And I knew that I had prayed for, for blind eyes and I've seen them open before. I've prayed for deaf ears and they popped open right like that. I've seen scars disappear off people's faces but I just wanted to get home and put the seed in my yard because I had unbelief. 
If I really believed it, if I believed all of the things that I knew, I, I would have had a throwdown in that Lowe's. We'd still be having a revival. But I didn't believe it. And this is us, isn't it? We're sleepy. There's this lullaby that keeps playing. And the difference between us, I think, and the woman from Iran is that we don't really know the difference between being sleepy and being awake. We have glimpses. She had this real idea of the difference between sleepy and awake, and she was afraid. She could feel it slipping. And I worry about myself, personally. I don't know if I ever feel it slipping as easily as that. But like this man, the only thing we can do is run to Jesus and to confess, right? That's what he did. He confessed, he repented. Because I will tell you something, you can't make this happen. There's one person who convicts. Read convinces. And that's the Holy Spirit. And so the idea is, is that I can't do it, you can't do it, none of us can do it, but that's the gospel. The gospel is, is that you're correct, you can't do it. Jesus did it. And just like in here, in this story, they couldn't do it, but Jesus did it. And this kind only comes with prayer. Isn't it interesting that he was mute? He couldn't speak. What's, what's, what's in our tongue, the power of what? The power of life and death is in our tongue. Isn't it interesting that he couldn't speak? He was tongue-tied. Why? Because the enemy cuts our life source out. And we sleep. And Jesus is waiting for us to come to him, to confess, I believe, but I don't believe. I know I should live differently. I know my life should look differently. I understand that, that I'm not doing this. I, I know that I just wanted to go home and aerate my, my lawn, help my unbelief. So that's where we're going we're gonna to be driving home today. Is I want you to understand, it's hard to wake up from this lullaby. It's, it's, it's so hard. Jesus describes it. It's like so hard. It's like trying to get a camel through the eye of this needle. Like that's how hard it is. And you would say, well, is it impossible? I mean, is, it, is there any hope at all? What's the answer? Should we move to Iran? I don't want to do that either. Jesus finishes and he says, but with God, all things are possible. And so the invitation here is that we're supposed to begin to lean in, to be honest with ourselves and with God, and to say, God, I'm sleepy. I don't want to do the things that I know I should do. That sounds familiar, right? That's Paul. I do the things I don't want to do. 
I don't do the things I know I should do. And the first step is that we get alone with Jesus and we be honest with Jesus. Turn off the music. Turn off the podcast. Turn off the sermons. And get with Jesus. This is what we've done this whole series about. And then be honest with Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't believe. Would you help my unbelief? And then what happens? This crazy thing happens and you begin to feel your faith arise. And you begin to live on, on a, a new plane, so to speak. And, and things begin to come awake in your heart and, and faith begins to be made real and, and you're able to, to hear. You notice at the end of this story, it's not just a mute spirit, it's a deaf spirit because how does faith come? It comes by hearing. And we need Jesus to open our ears and to be able to hear the words that he has for us because faith comes by hearing and we can begin to have our faith increase. And I wish I could say, and then you're off to the races. But what's, what's true is that the lullaby is still playing pretty loud in the background. And you'll have to do this again and again, but what happens? Here's what happens. What happens is we actually create more of a capacity. We get more of a taste for faith. And we start building up more of a diet uh, of the kind of lifestyle. And, and what happens is then when we do run dry, we start to feel it more. We begin to, to realize, man, I'm, I'm hungry. And you start to change what you hunger and thirst for. And you begin to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. And so when you begin to start repeating the mantra of eat, shop, sleep, there's something inside of you that it's just not satisfying anymore because you've created a taste in yourself for the more. You've expanded your spirit in order to receive more from Jesus. And so, what happens is, more and more often, you'll realize it just a little bit sooner, and you won't go a little as far, and you'll begin to come awake a little easier, and it'll help you to begin to fight against the lullaby that we live in. Until, and the hope is, until we begin to walk into the lows and we're so much more aware of the kingdom inside of us than the kingdom outside of us that we're not thinking about the discounted stoves, we're thinking about the miracle that's waiting to happen. That's called sanctification. And you begin to live more and more like Jesus and less and less like me. And this is the process. And so as we, as we start to turn it up, and we're going to turn it up. Like, like next week is going to be nuts. We actually believe that there will be people that will mark those dates down. This is what we're praying for. And, and at some point in some far-flung corner of the world when they're giving their testimony about why they're sacrificing everything they have and, and risking their life, they're going to point back to this coming up weekend as actually that was when God arrested me to do something completely different that I had never never thought about. I was retired. I was, I was entering into to the golden years. I was just getting out of college, but something happened and, and Jesus arrested me in such a way that it's changed everything. To, this coming up weekend is, is going to be that. And then there's only up from there. But as we go, 
Like pastorally, can I just say, you can't make yourself be radical. You can't make yourself be a Christian. And that's the gospel. And so the way in is the way on. Every next step in the kingdom is the same step that got you in. Releasing control. Submitting and repenting and confessing and saying, I can't do this. And God says, you're right, that's the point. Let me do it for you. And so next week, you'll hear things that will challenge you. The week after that, you'll hear things that will challenge you. And never, ever, ever is it our point to beat you over the head with religion to get you to clean up your life. The point is to say, this is what your soul is longing for. This is what is worth dying for. I'm tired of a Jesus that I have to sell. And I'm desperate for a Jesus that's worth dying for. And that's the one that I read about. And that's the one that I fell in love with. And that's the one that I left a career for. He's worth it. But we can't even see that without him illuminating us to that. So here's how we're going to end. We're going to read a psalm. And I'm going to read it. If you could stand. I'm going to read the psalm. It's 139. And here's King David, the one after God's own heart, the one who is painfully honest with God in the scriptures. His psalms are wrought with how he was really feeling. And so we're going to read this out loud and and we're, we're going to confess that we have unbelief. Would you help our unbelief? And then we're going to break off the spirit of stupor. The spirit of sleepiness. And we're going to invite us to come awake to a new reality. So this is our prayer. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and you know my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. 
Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is our prayer. Search me. Know me. Know my unbelief. And so as we worship together, this is our prayer. Lord, we believe. We understand. We've heard this before, but we don't believe it. Would you help our unbelief? And then as you feel led, we're going to have a time of prayer and ministry down at front. And so if you need prayer for anything, uh, you can feel free to come forward during the song. We'll have people that will, that will stand behind you and around you and begin to pray for you. Uh, some of you, you can't even open your mouth. You've been so disappointed by life. And you, you can't even begin to say, God, I, I, I don't believe. And you need help. And we want to pray with you about that. We believe the Lord is here for healing. And we think there is something that he wants to do with eyes and mouths and ears. And so if you have any problems or sickness with your eyes or mouths or ears, then feel free to come and we'll, we'll pray for you and believe the Lord is gonna heal you. But our prayer is, Lord, I'm not here on accident. Your scripture says that you order the steps of the righteous and if I've bowed my knee to Jesus, I've been made righteous. And so I'm here on purpose. What are you saying to me? So as we sing, that's our prayer. And if you need prayer, please feel free to come up uh, for prayer. For all upcoming events, for more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.